As most of you know, about two and a half years ago, we started in the book of Luke, and I'm all the way up to chapter 12, going verse by verse, and so today we're going to be in chapter 12, verse 15, and there the Lord talks about abundance, abundance. A Christian friend of mine was fond of a saying about all the many provisions that this life has within it. He liked to say that it's far easier to manage the matters of life from a condition of need than to manage life from a condition of abundance. And I have come to agree with him. When I had very few possessions to contend with, I had very few problems. But I've found that as I've gained more and more possessions, I've had to spend more and more time and energy managing and protecting and caring for all of those possessions, and I have less and less time for things that are meaningful. Here in this passage of Scripture that we'll consider today, the Lord Jesus gives His wisdom about our possessions. I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 12. I'll begin reading in verse 15. I'll read there and then I'll continue though in verse 22. This is Luke chapter 12. Verse 15, and he, this is the Lord Jesus, and he, the Lord Jesus, said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And then in verse 22, he goes on to tell us, he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than these birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you're not able to do such a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Do not seek, he tells us, do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added to you. And so he goes on to say, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide for yourself money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief can approach, no moth can destroy. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As you and I go about our life each day, there seems always to be these contrasts and these consequences that our human mind and our human will doesn't take notice of at that moment only to have them emerging later as some great blessing for us or some very difficult circumstance. 
Here in verse 15, Jesus uses this special word that's intended to focus our attention on the possibilities and the nature of those contrasts and those consequences. And the word is abundance. Abundance. And while we might not at first realize, within abundance, within abundance, there truly is the possibility of either blessings or difficulties. And often both. Often both. Verse 15 again. He said to us, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. That word abundance it's often captivating to our mind and to our desires. The thought of abundance causes all sorts of potential possibilities to well up within us, especially the possibility of good things. And those possibilities can reach really high. And it's only limited by our own imagination. But here in these words, Jesus lovingly reminds us that along with and interspersed in with all of those good things that abundance can bring to us comes also other possibilities, other consequences, difficulties that we had not counted on. And here Jesus is simply but firmly calling us to carefully examine our souls, to examine those desires that well up within us for all those things around us, and to beware of the pitfalls that might be intermixed into our abundance. I have a favorite cousin that I visit on occasion and it seemed like at least the last two or three times that I visited with him, he had to make a special trip to the convenience store to buy lottery tickets. He had dreams of what abundance can bring to him. This is a cousin that has a lot more money than I have. He doesn't need money. But there is this tantalizing possibility of what winning one of those lotteries can bring. And so let me say to us again, Jesus in these words is simply but firmly calling us to be careful and to examine our souls and to examine the desires that well up within us about all of those possibilities and to understand the pitfalls that might be intermixed in with all that abundance. In words that I've read to you often in 1 John chapter 2, we're given a very strong warning from the Lord about having those unbridled desires for the abundance of things and for the advantages that the world presents to us there to lure us into those possibilities. Listen to these words. This is 1 John chapter 2. The Lord warns us saying, Love not this world neither the things that are in this world. For if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it is of this world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. And then Jesus adds his words in this passage cautioning us. He says, do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And so 
Do not fear, little flock, he says, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell what you have, give alms, provide yourself money bags that will not grow old, a treasure in heaven that doesn't fail, where no thief can approach and no moth can destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Folks, if we'll only listen with a receptive heart, we'll be able to clearly hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in these words telling us about the possibilities that are hidden within our desiring and having of that abundance of things. And it's because both good and evil really can live and thrive with an abundance. And that's why time and time again throughout these scriptures, we find that God has interspersed warnings in with his promises of blessings. I'm reminded of the words given in Deuteronomy 30 where we're told, and listen carefully, this is what the Lord says. He says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are you're drawn away and you worship other gods and you serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. He goes on to say, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and he is your length of days. Folks, these words were given to the Israelite people just before God was about to give them the greatest gift of abundance that these people could ever imagine. They'd been slaves for 400 years and he was about to give them the promised land. And he knew that his people would need to guard their hearts carefully as they went in and took possession of this great gift. Else they would go astray and they'd squander that wonderful opportunity. This is a very serious matter that God is warning us about, folks. Our very lives and even our eternity can depend upon the choices that we make and that we go through most every day. And sometimes, perhaps often, the choices that we encounter can be confusing to us. They can be confusing to us. Good can look like evil. And evil can look like good. And both can be within either. And it doesn't help our dilemma that we come into this life with a foundation of deceitful wickedness. A heart that is desperately wicked. We're told that in Jeremiah 17. Our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful. We have a sinful nature that we come into this life with that's embedded within our souls. And it's as natural as our breathing. Now here the Lord Jesus brings these Old Testament truths forward into the New Testament times as he again then gives full recognition to the manner in which our human heart desires and covets and seeks after the things and the ways of this world. And listen, Jesus also knows full well that the lusts that build up within our flesh 
They're not, they're not driven just by our own desires. And he wants us to know that. He knows that they're being fueled by this incessant battle that comes from the demonic world that swirls all around us and reaches in to our souls to win our souls to their ways. The devil is crafty, folks. And he knows that as this constant cycle of seeing and wanting and coveting and seeking after and possessing the things of this world, if it's allowed to continue and to occupy our thoughts and our efforts, that we'll have very, very little time. We'll have very little time left for pursuing after the kingdom of God that he speaks about here. I'd like for us to consider those words for a moment. It's really a very clever plan that seems to work very effectively most of the time. It doesn't require that we be caught up in things and circumstances that are blatantly evil. You and I need only to be caught up, to be mesmerized, to be preoccupied with thoughts and desires for the things of this world. Those words again of the Lord Jesus, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. I wonder what my cousin thought about. He would know when the last moment before the drawings of those lottery tickets was going to take place. And he would make sure that he would get to that convenience store to buy those tickets. Preoccupied with that thought. I never knew him to ever win anything, by the way. He was faithful, though. He bought those tickets. Now, within the context of our modern daily pursuits of life, probably the most demanding desires comes to us very simply. It comes to us in the matters of our jobs. What kind of job we have? What is our salary level? What kind of home do we own? What kind of vehicle do we drive? All those are very needful things. They're not at all sinful in themselves, and that's the cleverness by which the world of flesh and the devil grabs hold of us because those are not sinful things. But still within each one of them, our salary level. We talked last week about this lingering question within us that says, when is enough ever enough? We own a business. When is enough ever enough profit? But then again, with those big things already perhaps in place, there are other things within our lives that begin to grab hold of us. And, and they might seem insignificant at the time, but they do get us caught up and preoccupied. One of the cleverest ways that I've been pondering lately uh, that the world takes possession of our, effects, uh, our affections is in matters of our children and our grandchildren. In our abundance... In our abundance, we can easily get caught up within an incessant whirlwind of activities. Especially, I find that mothers and grandmothers get caught up spending every waking moment shopping for and buying our children, our grandchildren, the latest in fashions and clothing. I heard my granddaughter saying something about there needs to be a particular star on the side of a shoe. That's important. Why is it important? I don't know why that's important, but it is. And we parents and grandparents get all caught up trying to make sure that we get that particular thing, that particular item of clothing, that latest fashion for our child or grandchild. And then all the other things that we do. 
My dear sister-in-law spends hours in a line waiting to pick up a grandchild at school, just sitting there with all the rest of the people who are in line. And then what about all of those times that we cart our children and grandchildren to and fro to soccer games, baseball games, softball games, dance lessons, music recitals. It can all seem so innocent while it's taking place. But folks, we need to accept the warning that Jesus is giving to us in these words. If the demands of this daily life take us beyond a reasonable boundary, then our abundance is working us harm. Any mesmerizing preoccupation with the things and the activities of this world that keep us from a surrendered relationship with the Lord Jesus has accomplished the purposes of our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And folks, that is so very clever. So very clever. I know that because I get caught up in all of the things I just spoke about. Now, with all that being said, I do want us to also spend some time in in our thinking on the other side of this coin of abundance that God has in mind as He showers us with all of the many blessings that He provides for us. Because He is the one that's providing that salary and that house, that car, that truck. It's a fact that we really do need all of those things. All of that stuff that the world has to offer. And it's not necessarily a wrong thing for us to have it. Jesus said that in verse 30. He said, your father knows that you need these things. We do. We need all those things. Jesus acknowledges that everyone, even the worst of the pagans of this world, they have need for food and clothes and and things to wear. And you and I, God's very special children, We're no different. And we have need for all of those things. We hunger, we thirst, we need clothes to wear. And God is not insensitive to our needs. He created us to be exactly as we are and to have those needs. The problem that he speaks about here begins to arise when we become anxious and begin to worry about where that provision for our daily needs will come from. When we stop trusting Him, when we stop looking to Him each day for our provision, and we begin to want and to covet, and then to reach out for those things on our own, that's when the problem begins. That's when coveting starts. Thankfully, God truly is loving, and He's a giving Father. And He not only knows that we have need for all of those things of daily life, it actually gives Him, as these words tell us, great pleasure to give those things to us. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Folks, the provision that God wants to give to you and to me actually gives Him great pleasure for Him to give those things to us. And is that not the same with you and me? When we're able to give a very special gift to one of our children, our grandchildren, And we know that it brings them happiness. Great pleasure wells up within us. I know it does in my own heart. I love to give. But note here also the full extent of this gift that God wants to give. It gives him great pleasure, it tells us here, for him to give us his entire kingdom. He wants to give us his entire kingdom. Consider what that means. Consider what that means. First of all, it means that we are true children of the king. True sons of God. 
Romans chapter 8, we're told that we are adopted children into his forever family. We become true sons of God. We're not just hired men. We're not just servants or friends. We're set into the family as true sons of God. Folks, we have a new bloodline that's coursing through our veins. We inherit not only a son's portion. We inherit a portion of the whole kingdom of God. Such a blessing. Think about that when you have opportunity. It's an amazing gift. Amazing provision. Why in the world, listen, why in the world do we so foolishly desire the scraps and the crumbs that fall from the table of this world? Why would we want and desire and covet and pursue after all those meaningless and worthless things of this world? Why do we do that? Brings to mind an occasion when a good friend went on a mission trip to Mexico. There he visited with some people who lived their entire lives within the fences of this great city trash dump of Mexico City. Seldom ever venturing outside of this trash dump. There was a whole little city of people with little lean-to houses built there within that city dump. And they spent their entire lives sifting through the trash that everyone else had thrown away. And why do we do that? You and I do that daily. We'll go spend a great deal of money to go and find some concert we can go to. How much do you think it costs to go to the Super Bowl game? More money than most of us earn in a month or two. That is the stuff that's falling off the table of this world and we're reaching for it. The provision that Jesus is speaking about here is far and beyond anything that we could ever hope for or imagine from the things of this world. And that should leave us nothing to be desired within this world. So then what is our problem? What is our problem? Folks, based on the authority of these words, I believe that we simply have our expectations set far too low. We're satisfied with all of those crumbs that come from the table of this world. Our fleshly desires are being satisfied by the things, the activities, the behaviors, the entertainments, and the corrupt distractions that are available to us in this world. And our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they keep us just hungry enough for it to make sure that our eyes stay focused on and and only being satisfied with the lusts that take place in this world. And we become blinded to the finer things that God really intends for us to have. Folks, Jesus declared to us, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The abundant life that Jesus promises, it spans everything that we could possibly need. Everything that we could possibly want. Yes, food and clothing, but especially, especially it spans to the eternal salvation of our souls, reaching out into an endless eternity of unimaginable blessings in heaven. And I'm convinced that if you and I would do exactly as these words tell us, if we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all that we could ever want, all that we could ever desire or need would be added to us. He promises that. It is a simple, but it is a profound promise that He makes to us. And He's faithful. He will fulfill 
all that he has promised in these words. Well, let me close with these words. Verse 29. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seeks after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, help us. Help us to give up the foolishness of this world. Help us to quit lusting after the things, the scraps that fall from the table of this world. Help us to reach for, instead, a much higher blessing than that. And that is you. You personally and all that you have to offer in this life and in the eternity to come. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.